0: You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple Podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Still in our series called Foundations. Understand this, we're all better together together When we live in community with one another. And this is why we plan this Better Together service and lunch. And if you think about it, our recent uh, pandemic naturally turned our attention to ourselves. And we began to isolate ourselves from the world. And I can tell you stories that I've heard of people that didn't get out of their homes forever. Uh, And sometimes it's just not good to be isolated. But it's natural when there's things like this, like a pandemic, because that's natural as we sought to protect ourselves and our families. But at the same time, as a church, we must never lose our outward focus. Even if you remember when we were shut down for those 12 to 13 weeks, we still gave out meals. And if you remember the eggs, hundreds of dozens of eggs from one of our farmers who owns some uh, chicken houses. We delivered cookies. We did a lot of different things, uh, providing meals. But one of the essential foundations of the church is that of being a community of one another's. Now, you know, if you've read the Bible at all and you go throughout the scripture, you'll always find this phrase, one another, when describing the people of God. This is my commandment. and This is the most important. Love one another. Serve one another. Comfort one another. Be devoted to one another. Be hospitable to one another. Encourage. I mean, it just goes on and on. But this is just a sample, as there are many more verses that call us to care for one another. As the church, we are responsible for the well being of one another. We are called to live in community. So I want to talk about Christian community. Actually learning to love where you live. Practicing the one another's of ministry. But today, especially the one called love one another. We all need to practice loving where we live, loving where we work, loving where we go, and loving where we are. This is what God has called our church to do. In the late 1900s, there was a very popular theologian who asked a significant question. Her name was Tina Turner. You ever heard of her? And her hit song in 1984, What's Love Got to Do With It? And Tina didn't know this, but there was a group of theologians that had already answered that question 17 years earlier. This group Call themselves the Beatles. You ever heard of them? They had already given the answer with their 1970s hit. All you need is love. Now I'm just kidding about these musicians, okay, being theologians. But this week I typed in one word on the Google search engine, okay? That word love. And boy, I got all sorts of answers. And some of these answers were expected and some of them were just really, you know, strange. But what I did notice is that our world is infatuated with the concept of love. But they twist it and they contort it to fit their own whims or desires. And the sad truth is most people don't even understand what love is. But Forrest Gump did. Horace Gump said, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Karl Barth, arguably, was the greatest theologian of the 20th century. His 12-volume church dogmatics alone consists of over 10,000 pages of systematic theology. Actually, before I came in here today, I was looking for my systematic theology book that I had in seminary because it's about that thick with hundreds of pages, and I can't imagine this, and that subject drove me crazy, and I did not find the book. I think it's put up in the house somewhere because I don't ever want to see it again. You understand some of those books can do that to you? He was brilliant. Toward the uh, end of his life, Barth made a tour of the United States where he had the opportunity to speak at several of our nation's top universities. And during the question and answering time, uh, following one of his lectures, a student posed what seemed an impossible question to answer. And Dr. Barth, you have written, listen, Dr. Barth, you have written extensively on every aspect of theology and church history. I'm wondering if you could sum it up in a short sentence or two. And the room fell silent. Dr. Barth just stood there for a moment, carefully considering how to respond. Some of the professors and students who were there clearly began to feel awkward at, that such a trifling question would be asked of such a brilliant scholar. Now you think about that. Put yourself in that position. Finally, Carl Barth turned toward the student and succinctly replied, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And when comforted, or I'm sorry, and when confronted with that important question about what's the most important thing in life, Jesus responded this way in Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse 35. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Our goal as a church is to help people find and follow Jesus. Do we understand that this morning? How do we do that? It's not by cursing the darkness, but by shining the light of the gospel. And what's the most important thing we need as a church? You know what it is? Capital L-O-V-E. It's love. What should we be known for? Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this, what? All people will know that you're my disciples if you have what? Love, love for one another. We must be known for our love. And right now, just real quickly, I want us to look at two types of love. First is Supreme love, supreme love, the great and first commandment. The lawyer asked Jesus a question which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now we know that probably wasn't a genuine question. He was trying to test Jesus and possibly just trying to, you know, trip him up. And this wasn't the kind of lawyer that we think of today. This was probably one of the Foremost experts in what we would call Old Testament law. He was asking Jesus an age-old question that had been debated for centuries. The scribes and the Pharisees, now listen to this. The scribes and the Pharisees had documented 613 commandments in the law. And 248 were positive and 365 were negative. No person could ever hope to know and fully obey all these commandments. So, to make it easier, these experts divided the compliments, the commandments, into heavy, imported, and then unimported. A person could measure on the heavy commandments and not worry about the trivial ones. Now, what's the problem with this philosophy? You only need to break one law to be guilty before God. James 2.10. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of, say it with me, all of it. This is what makes Jesus' answer so profound. He quotes Deuteronomy 6, one of the most popular and familiar Old Testament passages, To the Jewish family. And in doing so, he gets to the heart of the matter. It's not about keeping rules, it's about loving God. Look at verse 37 again. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, we could break this down piece by piece and talk about what Jesus means when he says, With your heart, with your soul, and mind. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but we could miss the forest for the trees if we're not careful. The point is pretty simple. Love God with everything you are. That's why I talked about personal worship this past week. Man, it's about getting together and spending time with God. This was not intended to give us a psychological breakdown of the various components Of the human personality now understand this the heart being the hub or the wheel of all of our thoughts words and deeds the soul representing the seat of our emotional activity the center of our desires and affections and the mind understood as the seat and center of our intellectual life as well as dispositions and attitudes Rather, these three parts were intended to give us a comprehensive picture of what it is to be our total devotion. Understand, the key to this command is is observing the alls. Three times in verse 37, the word all is repeated. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This repetition of the word all emphasizes the necessity of a total response of love to the lordship of God. Someone said God's wholehearted love must not be answered in a half-hearted manner. So love God with everything you are, total devotion the truth means that every closet of our lives need to be open for cleaning and every relationship in our lives must be influenced this call to love god this way destroys any option of being one person at church and another person on a date or at work amen That's what we call holy character. Ben talked about that a couple weeks ago. In other words, what you do on the internet needs to be just as pure as what you do in your Bible reading. The way we talk to our parents needs to be as wholesome as the way we talk to our pastors and teachers. There needs to be An authentic love for our God that starts with God-oriented affections, desires, and thoughts that permeates our speaking and behavior and then influences the way we spend our money on how we dress and what we drive and our forms of entertainment. Whether we're eating or singing, jogging or blogging, texting or drawing love for god the one true god is to be in action and seen. so that is supreme love secondly the last one is sacrificial love love your neighbor as yourself jesus just didn't give this lawyer one commandment that was the greatest he added another commandment that goes hand in hand with the great first commandment what's the second commandment love your neighbor as yourself Now, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6 again in the first part. And now he quotes Leviticus 19, 18, where God gives the clear command to love one another. These two go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. So here's the deal. If we love God with all of our heart, we will love others as we love ourselves. In recent decades, it has become popular to advocate that Jesus teaches we must love ourselves before we can love others. That we must build up our self-esteem before we can esteem others. Now, if you buy into this thinking, Jesus here teaches not two great commands, but three. Love God, love ourselves, and then love others. When Jesus commands us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, he assumes a healthy dose of self-love is already in place. A self-love that is natural. It is the way that we were created. We naturally care for our bodies, our needs, and et cetera. But there is also a self-love that is sinful. An egocentric affection that continually seeks self above and before others. So the call here is that we take this inclination and focus it elsewhere. Instead of focusing inward, we focus outward. We must focus our self-love on loving others. The measure by which we love now becomes the measure. It's a high measure by which we are called to love others. So what is The greatest commandment. Well, Jesus really says there's two. The first is to love God. And the second is to love others as much as we love ourselves. And if we'll be honest, we really love ourselves most of the time. Amen? I mean, let's be honest. The reality is some people can get so caught up in their pseudo-spiritual walk with God that they begin to forget how to love others. Some people pretend They love God so much, they have no time for others. There's a book written about the desert fathers who lived as hermits and monks in the third and fourth centuries. Listen to this. They believed that living away from people made them more holy and righteous. There was one desert father named Nathaniel. A man so focused in his devotion to God that he resolved never to leave his little house. That was his commandment to God. Somehow that made him more holy. Well, one day a 10-year-old boy came to the monk's door because the boy's donkey had fallen down and was hurt. The boy cried out, Father Nathaniel, have mercy on me and give me a hand. Nathaniel heard the voice and opened the door. Standing inside, he asked him, Who are you and what do you want me to do? The boy replied, I am so-and-so service and I am bringing loaves of bread for communion for the church in town. I beg you, do not neglect me lest I be eaten by hyenas. Nathaniel, we are told, stood there surprised and stunned. Filled with compassion, he debated with himself and said, I must fail either the commandment, the commandment to love one's neighbor or my resolution, his resolution not to leave his house. What would you do? How did this supposedly great man of faith reply? Listen, boy, he said, I believe that if you are in need, the God whom I serve will send you aid. He shut the door and went back to his business of loving God. Wow. Doesn't that remind you of a story Jesus told in Luke 10? It's called the story of the Good Samaritan. In the parable, if you recall, it is religious leaders, a priest and a Levite, eager to get to Jerusalem, apparently to worship God in the temple with their ritual sacrifices, who on their way around the body of a half dead man. That's what they did, walked right around him. They are presumably too busy loving God to love others, so busy focusing on the first commandment that they don't have time for the second, for their neighbor. The person who has providentially placed along their path. That's what God did. The person in need of compassion and care. So here in verse 39, Jesus makes clear that he will have nothing to do with this kind of love. Genuine love for God must express itself in genuine love for your neighbors. Let me close. 1 John twenty twenty-one teaches this. If anyone says... I love God and hates his brother. He is a what? Liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So here's the question I have for us, church. What kind of church Will we be? Will we decide that we're going to love God right here, but not step foot outside the door? Will we worship God, but not stop to help those in need? No, that's not it. The point of all this is simple. If we love God, we will love others. We are called to love our neighbors and the nations. And this needs to get practical. It's more than a sermon. So let me challenge you. In the next seven days, I want you to do something incredibly kind for someone. You've done things like this before. Pay for someone's coffee in a drive-thru behind you. Deliver fresh cookies to someone's place of work. Send a note of encouragement to someone. Pay for someone's fast food meal and behind you in the drive through or even at a restaurant. Leave a big tip for your server at a restaurant. Take a box of donuts to an organization or an office. Bake goodies, take them to a police station, the fire station. Cook a meal for a neighbor or a coworker. We have this thing coming up called Ignite Tuesday through Saturday. Give a day for our community and that relief. Can I mention one more thing before we're done? The absolute kindest thing you can do is share Jesus with someone. We're going to close right here. We're going to have an invitation. Then in a moment, you'll get some instructions of what to do. But I never want to rush through an invitation. But if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, let that be the day. You know, this past week, we've had three funerals. I did another one Saturday. And this at a funeral is the best place there is to share the gospel. But it's also right here in the church. And you need to understand that there is only one way to heaven. And that's through the Father. He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. And we need to understand that this morning. If you're here today, you don't know Him, why don't you come to one of us pastors and say, I want to know him. For others of you here today, whatever is on your heart, maybe you just need to love your neighbor more. You need to serve more. Whatever you need to do, if you want to come and pray, that's fine. Or you can stay there in your seat. It doesn't matter to me. But understand today, whatever you need, you'll find it all in Jesus. Father, today, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for our worship, for our praise. And Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, help us to love you Truly, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and all of our mind, and then, God, to learn to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Lord, would you do what you need to do in this place today? We ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Would you stand and would you sing today and come as God instructs you to. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.